2: Repentance, then, is the first step to salvation. It's the first step. You can't go to heaven unless the first thing you do is repent. It's actually been called the first word of the gospel. When John the Baptist came into ministry, first thing John the Baptist did, along with his baptism, he basically preached this. Repent for the kingdom of God is
0: near. Admitting that one is wrong is innately difficult for us. Taking the next step and adding action to that admission is even harder. Repentance involves not only saying words, but backing them up with action and a change in mindset. This was the challenge John the Baptist presented to the people of his day, and Jesus reiterated and expanded on. Pastor Mark will be sharing what Jesus said about how to get into his kingdom. Jesus will also be pointing out to these people that this is a life or death decision, a point that we would do well to remember as it applies to us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Repent and Be Fruitful.
2: you and I are born in sin. And because of that, at that moment, the one that tricked Eve was Satan himself. And Adam knew it was wrong, but he went ahead and disobeyed anyway. So what happened? Well, God said, the day that you sin, you will surely die. And man was never made to die. And that went physical death in spiritual death, which means separation from God. Well, Satan began ruling. So who is ruling our world this morning? Our whole earth. It's Satan. So when we see all these bad things, it's basically because of our sin nature and Satan. Now, remember what Satan's goals are. This is the world we're living in. Satan's goals are to steal, finish it with me, kill, and what else? Destroy. So this isn't God. God never planned for any of this stuff. But it's a consequence, there are consequences to our sin. So when you see this happening, remember even God, when he finished creation, he sat back and he said, it's all good. There was no bad. Now, we do know, even as Christians, as we already said, sometimes bad things happen to us. Now, sometimes bad things happen to us because we sin. We're going to have consequences just like anybody else. Be sure your sin will Find you out. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. We know. But other times, God allows things in our life, and we don't really understand why. Joseph, Old Testament, carried away as a slave to Egypt. Horrible, horrible times in his life, in and out of prison. But in the end, God turned it around for good. Uh, Job, a man lost everything in one day, his family, his kids, whatever. And his friends came and said, you must have done something wrong, Job. And eventually God turned it around and made it good. That's because we have this verse. We know here, let me read it to you, Romans eight twenty-eight. And we know that God causes everything for Christians to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So we know that when God allows these sufferings and tragedies in our lives, eventually he'll bring good out of them. So maybe you're going through one of these things. You say, Pastor Mark, why did you have to put bad things up there? I don't, I'm going through one of those difficult times. Remember, as a Christian, now if you've sinned, of course, there's the penalty, but God will forgive you and you move on. But maybe it's something, you know, remember when I was sick for five months, I wasn't in an act of sin. And eventually I quit saying to God, why? I said to God, teach me what you want me to know while I'm here. And he turned it around, and here I am today. only got five more pounds, and I'll be the normal me, baby. I mean, it's God. It's God. Now, sometimes when we pick up, and you're going to be in chapter 13, sometimes we forget where this is in the Bible. Watch this. Jesus, at the end of Luke, because it's a timeline, he's headed right now where you're going to pick it up today. He's headed to Jerusalem for his last time. Now, what's going to happen his last visit to Jerusalem? Tell me. There's a little clue. It's over here. He's going to the, say it with me, the cross. So he's very serious because he's going to pay for the sins of the whole world. And he's very serious about trying to say to people, get ready, get real. And the word you're going to hear Jesus use over and over again, repent. Repent. And I'll give you the definition. So when you see that he's just months, I don't know the exact date, from the cross, you can see why it's a passion to him. And so listen this morning. This is Jesus speaking to you, and he's speaking to me. Verse 1. Now remember, he's teaching his disciples, and there's probably a, a maybe five to 10,000 people, Jewish people listening to him, and of course, the Jewish rulers as well. Look at verse 1. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus. So Jesus is hearing this story from them about the Galileans. That was Galilee area up at the Sea of Galilee in the north. That, about the Galileans who, whose blood, Pilate, the Roman leader, had mixed with their sacrifices. So they tell Jesus about this man-made tragedy and death. What they're basically saying and asking is this. Why did that happen to the Jewish people, to these Jews? Why did this tragedy happen? Apparently, Pilate, we don't know all the facts, the Roman administrator, some of these religious Jews came down from Galilee to Jerusalem, and they went in to sacrifice. You know, the animals were killed, the blood was spilled, they were being sacrificed. And Pilate, for some reason we don't know, he comes in, And he kills all these people. And even worse than that, he takes their blood and pours it with the offering to God. Blasphemy. And so their question basically is this. What was happening here? Jesus, why did this happen? Now watch how Jesus answered. Look at verse 2. Jesus knows what they're thinking. Because remember in that day, bad things happened to, tell me, bad people. And Jesus answered, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Basically, here's what Jesus says. Do you think this punishment is because they're worse sinners than you? So Jesus, again, knows what they're thinking Here's what the Galileans were thinking as they watched this take place, the ones that didn't get killed. that This was God's judgment on those people who got killed because they were an active sin. And Jesus responds, does this tragedy in death prove that these victims were greater sinners than you since you didn't die or suffer? So that's the question he asks them. Amazingly, he answers his own question. Because they were so screwed up in their thinking. Look what he says in verse 3. I tell you, everybody say it with me. No. He says, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Wow, what a strange answer. Jesus said, no. All people are guilty of sin. Realistically, spiritually, without Christ, there are no good people. You're not a good person. You know, hear unbelievers say, oh, everybody's a good person. They're just great people. Well, no, we're all sinners. We're all bad people until God changes us. So, and separated from a holy God. But watch what he does in this conversation. He moves the conversation to these people who are saying, I know why they got killed. We're better than they are. We're better believers than they are. They're guilty of something. That's the only way it could happen. So Jesus says, forget them. And what does he do? He says he takes the finger that they're pointing at them. And what does he do with the finger? (laughs) Do it myself. Come on, right? Just put your finger right here. So now this is not Balmer speaking to you. What you said, you said you listened to Jesus. So put your finger right here. So what does he do? He says, you, it's about you. You need to repent. Keep the finger there. I don't like the finger there. Keep it there. Jesus says, keep it there. You repent because you, if you don't, you will perish. I like it. He takes people who want to do. If you're married, here's how marriage works at home usually. I'm the expert. 50 years. Next week, 50. It goes like that. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when you get older, you don't hear as well. And it's always this. The people laughing are not the young people. They're the older people. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So what Jesus says is, quit trying to say it's somebody else. If you don't repent, you will perish. Now, why does he say that with passion? Where's he going? To the cross. So what is he saying? I don't want how many to die without God? Zero. But I can't repent for you. You have to repent yourself. Now, Just turn to your neighbor with a smile. Go like this. You need to repent. Go ahead, just tell them right now. You need to repent. Now pick the person on the other side that you dished and say to them, you need to repent. Come on, you need to repent. We're going to have a great altar call at all of our services today. Now, Pastor Mark, what is repentance? Here's a definition, write it down. Repentance... It's to change one's mind. The battle is always in the mind. What we think, we become. Repentance is to change one's mind, which results in a change of purpose, direction, and behavior. The key word is change. Now, let me show you, as you think about that, change. Let me give you an idea. Over the years, I've had many people come to me, men, women, husbands, wives, whatever. It doesn't matter the issue. Well, my husband came down, uh, or my wife came down and, at a church, Billy Graham, some church, doesn't matter where. Accepted Christ, got saved, followed Christ for a couple of years, read their Bible, did all kinds of things, and then I'll get an email from somebody, or they'll stop me here up front, or you know, stop me when we're shopping or whatever, saying, well, my wife, who did this, or my husband, who did this, uh, they won't come to church anymore. True stories, many true stories. And I said to them, well, wait, you need to be in church. You need to be under the word. You need to be under a pastor. You need to hear people teach you. You need to be doing all these things. I said, I don't need to. I got the paper. I prayed the prayer. I repented. I'm going to heaven. Now, let me ask you a question. Did they repent? Remember the key word repent is what? Change. No, they didn't repent. It was an event, but it never resulted in a. Okay, you didn't say it very. It never resulted in a. A change. Now, you'll see what that change is. So let me show you a picture of what that looks like. To turn from repentance. I'm walking this way. I'm doing my own thing. Turn from sin, Satan, and death. And then it's not just good to turn from it. God, I'm sorry for it. I, I turn away from it. No, you have to turn to someone. So it's then to turn to salvation, God, God. In life. Notice the difference. It's all about change. It's 180 degrees different. Now, we're not talking about people that follow Christ and be perfect. Of course not. Watch me. Here's me before I'm a Christian. I'm basically doing my thing. I might be a good person, but I'm a sinner. I've never asked God in my life. I'm just doing my thing. When I repent, it's a change in my mind, which causes my thinking. To change my direction, my behavior, and who I am. Now, I'm not following me. I'm following God. That's why Jesus said, come follow me. So, he knows that real repentance results in a change. And you'll see what that looks like in a few moments. Now, here's what I want you to write. Repentance, then, is the first step to salvation. It's the first step. You can't go to heaven and there's... The first thing you do is repent. It's actually been called the first word of the gospel. When John the Baptist came into ministry, first thing John the Baptist did, along with his baptism, he basically preached this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30, immediately in Matthew chapter four, Jesus says this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near is near, both John the Baptist and Jesus. Then when Peter preached his sermon, his first sermon to the Jews, who were part and responsible for Jesus being put on the cross, they were convicted when he said, no, you killed the real Messiah. They were convicted, and they said, what should we do? What did Peter say? Repent. See, it is the first word to salvation. Look at what happens next. Verse 4, it isn't because that Jewish ruler, Pilate, kill these people. Look at this one. This is probably maybe an earthquake. We don't know really what it is. Look at verse four. Or those 18, the people are talking again to Jesus, who died when the tower of Shalom fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? So Jesus is saying, really? So the tower fell. Maybe there's an earthquake. Those 18 died. And do, you, do you think it's because they're more guilty, they're a worse sinner than all the other people living in Jerusalem? Now, Jesus answers this question. Let's see if it's any different. Verse 5. I tell you, say it with me. Okay, same, same answer. No, but unless, here we go again, you repent, you too will all perish. See, we don't really know what that's from, but Jesus knew this principle. Paul writes it for us. Look at Romans 3.23. I have it for you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what Jesus is saying is, you need to realize you're a sinner by nature and by practice. And unless you repent, which means there's going to be a change There's going to be a change. It's not like the little kid who says, Mommy, I'm sorry. Goes And Mom says, Okay, I forgive you. And two hours later, she comes back, and the kid's eating another piece. There's no change. It was just words. So understand, Paul's saying, and Jesus is saying, unless you repent and there's change, you're going to die, and you're going to be separated from God forever. Now, but repentance is not just the first step. There's more steps to salvation in heaven. Take a look at this. This is what Jesus is. I'll use it at the end again. Now, remember, you said you'd listen to Jesus. This is Jesus' words, identical words, not somebody else. That is why, Jesus, I said that you will die in your sins for unless you, here comes the second step, Believe that I am who I claim to be. Who was he? Jesus, the Messiah, the only way to God in heaven. And as you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in whose sins? Your sins. Notice how personal this is. It's not about anybody else. This is spoken to you. This is spoken to me. This is spoken to 7.3 billion people on the earth. There's nobody different. All born sinners, all sin by practice. So first step, repentance. Second step, notice, unless you believe by faith that I am Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to God in heaven except through me. Unless you believe that, you will die in your sins. And the Jewish people didn't believe that. And many people today, of course, don't believe that. Now, so what does salvation look like? This is just kind of a picture for you, and you, you can kind of put it and add and subtract any way you want, but I like this. Salvation starts with repenting. There's going to be a change. I'm sorry. I'm wrong for my. I believe it. I know I'm a sinner. I need your help, God. Then I have to believe by faith. I can't prove that there's a God. Neither can you, but you can't prove there isn't one. So it's by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that's why Jesus spoke. And that's why I'm teaching you from the word. I have to repent, believe. And then I become, I become different. I become either, you can use the term born again, because Jesus said to Nicodemus, a very religious man, you must, not an issue, not a side. It'd be good for you to be born again. No, you must be born again, or you'll never see the kingdom of God. Or you might use the word, when I repent and believe, I become a Christ follower. Remember, Jesus said to his initial disciples, come and follow me. He didn't say, join Calvary Chapel. Join the first Baptist. He said, no, come follow me and become like me. Or you might use, I like this one as well, John chapter one, become a son or daughter of God. So there's going to be change and that's what's going to happen. Now, Pastor Mark, what does that change look like? If repentance means there's going to be a change, well, there's a change in who you're following. There's a change in your direction. You change in how you behave. So watch what happens. In chapter 13, verse 6, we have another parable. Look at Jesus. He's telling the parable. Listen to Jesus. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So here's God in a parable. He comes down. There's a fig tree in his vineyard, and he looks for fruit, and there isn't any. Now, this parable applies, and I'll show you in a short while, to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was known as the fig tree, but it applies to every single one of us this morning. So I want you to write this down today. Spiritually, you and I, if you're a Christian, are like a fruit tree. A fig tree this morning. So understand this parable. This is to you. You are a fig tree. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a fig tree. I'm a fig tree. You never thought you'd leave church saying, I'm a fig tree. Now the police won't put you away. They know this is the teaching. What does God do? When God comes to his vineyard, what does he do? He's looking for what? Tell me. He's looking for fruit. What do you expect off of a fig tree? Fruit. So he's looking for it. What does that tell me? Remember, who's the fig tree? Raise your hand if you're a fig tree this morning. What should be in your life? Fruit. So he's looking in your life for what? Fruit. I'll tell you about fruit in a moment. And why is God doing that? Because there's a performance review coming for Christians. Your time, talents, gifts, finances. How are you doing with all that? How are you doing with that? Are you being fruitful? Does it show that there's been a change? He comes and he looks for fruit and he doesn't find any at all. Jesus then spoke about this earlier in his ministry. I'll give it to you. Matthew 3, 8, if you want to write it down. Notice what Jesus says. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, if you say you've repented, show me. Prove by the way you live that your repentance is real and you've turned from your sins and you're actually following Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. So he says to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit, three years, on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Now, let me talk about Israel for a moment, the nation of Israel. How long did Jesus minister when he started ministering at the age of 30? How long did he minister? What did we just read? There was no fruit for three years. For how many? Three years. So what is the, the initial thing talking about the nation of Israel is this. When Jesus started his ministry, he came to his own people and his own people said, no, you're not the Messiah. How long did he tell them he was the Messiah? Three years. They rejected him. They just totally rejected him. Now, so there was no
0: fruit. Today, we learn more about what godly fruit is, and maybe more importantly, what it takes for that fruit to be developed in our lives. Pastor Mark taught that Jesus, as the caretaker of the fruit, will do whatever is necessary to try to have that tree produce fruit. That will result in occasional discomfort for us as we're pruned by the Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Pastor Mark will be sharing more next time of Jesus' teaching about fruit and bringing out fruits from plants. He'll be talking about the necessity of forgiving one another and the dangers of not extending forgiveness to others. He'll warn about bitterness that can take root in our lives and damage our relationship with Jesus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry